It is our privilege to bring to you the following message, supported by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our normal Sunday morning service times. Pastor Rick Foster is serving as our interim senior pastor here at Rancho Baptist Church. As human beings, we realize the importance of water to our body. In fact, water makes up about 60% of our body weight. We need about 2 to 3 liters a day for our body just to survive. Water flushes out toxins of our organs and it carries vital nutrients to our cells. Lack of it can lead to a serious case of dehydration and even death. Well, today Pastor Rick looks at the story of Jesus encountering the woman at the well of Sychar, offering her this living water where she'll never be thirsty again. Pastor Rick lets us know that our deepest thirsts can only be satisfied by what Jesus offers. Let's join Pastor Rick now in his sermon that he is entitled, Hydrate or Die. Let's join Rick. And it is going to be a season, and we're going to talk more about what an interim season is like, because it's very unusual for most churches to do what your leadership has wisely chosen to do. Um, But it's a good thing. But it's going to be a season. It's going to feel weird. We'll talk more about it next week. But it's going to be a great journey. And just understand, I am not some kind of answer man with that knows all that's going on. I'm here to link arms with you all, and we're going to go find out what Jesus Christ wants, okay? That's what it's going to be about. And Sunday mornings together like this, we're going to open up God's Word, and we're going to investigate what He has for us. I know that's been the history of this church, and we're going to continue that. And it's going to be rich, good times together. So I hope you're looking forward to it. Um, we've been on a lot of journeying recently, Lucy and I, uh, driving a big Penske truck, pulling a car across the United States. If I cough this morning, both of us kind of arrived here a little sick. You know, we've been with our snotty-nosed grandkids, and they passed on to us what they had. So that's, that's what grandparents do, right? They just kind of share with everything within the family. So, But uh, part of journeying that I do is bike riding. Um, I brought both my mountain bike and my road bike, and I know a number of you enjoy riding, so I look forward to some times like that together. But when I ride, um, typically, because I'm out for quite a bit, um, I have this on my back, um, made by Camelback, and there's a lot of other companies, but I think they were one of the first ones that put together a hydration unit so that when you're out, uh, you can continue to drink water um, as... Uh, you exercise. So whether I'm hiking or most time bike riding, um, I've got this with me. This was a gift from my brother. Uh, my brother, for many, many years, ran a mountaineering store in Colorado Springs. And I still remember the day that I came into his store and he said, Rick, I've got something for you. And we walked over to a wall and there were a number of Camelback different types of, of these packs up there. And he grabbed this one and gave it to me. He said, I want you to have this. And I remember looking up above all of the Camelbacks that were on that rack, and and there was a banner by the Camelback company that said, Hydrate or Die. (laughs) Whoa. Do you know that Jesus Christ agrees with that bold marketing statement? Hydrate or Die. We're going to talk about that this morning. So grab your Bibles, if you would. Turn to John chapter 4. That's where we're going to be nosing around in the scriptures with a very incredible, interesting uh, intersection of Jesus Christ with an individual. As you turn to John chapter 4, you will recognize, because you probably know the story very, very well, 
that you've got two weary travelers converging at a well right when the sun is peaked high and hot. Now, it was one of those days, and if you've ever traveled in Israel, you understand this well, it was one of those days when the heat pounds on your head and makes the horizon kind of dance and waver a little bit because of the temperatures. Now, these are two complete strangers, and yet they share a number of things in common, and at the same time, they are extreme opposites from one another. Both of them are weary, as as we're going to see, but for different reasons. One of them is tired from a morning of foot travel, and the other, as we're going to see in a moment, is exhausted from a journey that's not getting her anywhere. Both of them have come to the well to have their thirst quenched. Now, his is the obvious physical kind. Hours of walking in the blistering sun have left him in need of hydration. Hers, her thirsts, they exist on a number of different levels. She just doesn't know it yet. But the common experience of thirst is the trigger point that has them intersect at this well at the same time on this very day. So in this very ordinary occurrence, you know, two thirsty people ending up at the well um, at the same time, the man Jesus makes an unusual initiative to connect. Look at verse 7 in John chapter 4. Jesus asks the woman to give him a drink of water. Now, why do I call that a very unusual initiative? I mean, it's not strange at any point of history of travelers stopping for a rest to ask for water from someone who's there who has the ability to give it to them. That's not unusual. We even do that today. Well, look at the woman's response. We'll begin to understand why this is so unusual. The response she gives is in verse 9. So the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Now, I'm sure you realize at this time the racial and religious bigotry between the Jews and the Samaritans of that day was as strong as anything we see in our nation in some circles between blacks and whites, between Muslims and Christians, between Republicans and Democrats. I mean, it was, it, it was fierce. Because, you know, at that time, the Jews and the Samaritans refused to interact with each other because of their animosity. The Jews looked at the Samaritans and considered them to be ignorant heretics. In response, the Samaritans looked at the Jews and considered them to be arrogant spiritual snobs. So literally, they didn't want to have anything to do with each other. So this woman coming to the well was expecting to be ignored by Jesus instead of having him initiate towards her. So when you look at her response in verse 9, her tone of response is saturated with sarcasm. It's almost as if she's saying, oh, so even though you Jews despise us, And you're talking to me because you're thirsty and I have the jar of water. You're in need and I have what you want. That's really kind of the tone that's behind her response. Now notice how Jesus not only overlooks her cutting remark, but flip-flops her perception of the situation. Because it's what she needs and what he has that's important. 
So look at the offer he makes of an unbelievable gift to take. Verse 10, here is the response of Jesus back to her. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, Jesus' response immediately creates inside this woman two issues in her mind. What is the gift of God that he's just talking about here and that he's calling living water? And in addition, who is this who's offering to give me this gift? Now, again, it's very important to keep the context in mind. Where are they? They have met at a well. Why? Because of thirst. They share that in common with each other. So she's going to be naturally curious about receiving a gift that would satisfy this desire. So watch as she asks now two questions that seek to clarify what Jesus has just said. She wants to know the nature of the gift, and she wants to know who this giver is. So the first question you see from her is in verse 11, where she says, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Again, with nothing to draw from from the well, where is Jesus going to get the living water? That's what she's asking, because she assumes that living water is another expression for a quality of water that's better than what she can get out of the well. So what she's after is, what is your source that I don't have that you have? Okay, second question, verse 12. Look what now she says. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. So you see the two questions. One is going after the nature of the gift. The second one is going after the nature of the giver. So she wants to know, who are you? And she uses the well dug by the Old Testament patriarch Jacob, who initially was, the water from it was enjoyed by his family and his flocks. And so as such, this well now has been given to the next generations who, as a gift, to be used and enjoyed as they lived in that area. So she wants to know, are you superior to the man who has this revered place in our, in our history? Now watch, Jesus answers both these questions. And he connects the nature of the gift with who he is as in his identity as the giver. Watch his reply, verse 13. So he says to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. If you have a pen underlined, you will be thirsty again if you drink this water. But in contrast, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him We'll never be thirsty again. So underline that. We'll never be thirsty again. What is Jesus what is Jesus doing here? Well, notice there are several important things about what he has just said about the water that he's offering to give. First, it's becoming obvious, slowly but more obvious, that Jesus is leading this woman to consider that there are important thirsts to satisfy that operate at a level deeper than the physical. He'll he'll keep driving there, but just watch how this starts to bubble up even all the more. 
Second thing I want you to notice is that phrase, the living water that he's offering is going to satisfy a person's thirst by becoming an internal spring within them that's going to overflow to something called eternal life. Now, there's a bunch of really spiritually or spiritual sounding phrases used there. Things, vocabulary that we use in churches all the time, but you probably don't ever hear these words used Monday to Saturday out in the world where you are. So what's Jesus really driving at? Let's unpack this for a moment. It's very important. When Jesus uses that term eternal life, he's talking about more than length of days. It's more than life that does not end. Eternal life is also a quality of life. It's not just quantity, it's also quality. In other words, the biblical concept of eternal means without the impact of time. And time impacts everything that it touches. I mean, we see this all the time. Our clothes, over time, wear out or end up out of fashion. Typically, they end up out of fashion before they wear out, right? But time impacts it. The things we purchase over time either become old technology or they become obsolete. Material, any material over time is either going to rust out, it's going to disintegrate, or it's going to wear out. So time puts an ending point on everything. And that's why some people you will hear say, nothing lasts forever. What are they saying? Time puts an ending point on anything. Yet what Jesus is offering here is something unbelievable. He's saying, I'm going to give living water to those who want to accept it from me. And it's going to completely satisfy a person's thirst by giving them a life in which time is no longer going to be a factor for them. It's having a life in both quantity and quality. You're going to hear out of my mouth a lot something that I call this life with a capital L. Because everybody has life with a smaller case L. You know, our hearts are beating inside of us. Our lungs are going in and out. The synapses in our brains are firing off. That's just life with a lower case L. Jesus says, I've got something for you that's with a capital L, something called eternal life. Well, the woman's more curious than, all, than ever with all of this, so notice her response now in verse 15. She says, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Notice, something inside her is tired of being thirsty and constantly having to come to the well and expend so much energy to draw it. Now, again, obviously, she's still thinking on that physical level, but Jesus has something deeper in mind. But whatever this is, she she wants it. Her curiosity has got her wanting this. It's speaking something inside of her. So, back up for a moment. So, we've got an offer that's been made. The offer, even though it's maybe not totally understood, is accepted. But I want you to notice what happens next, that before this gift can be received, Jesus makes the woman aware of her thirst at the deepest level of her soul by bringing up the unprofitable choices that she has to face. Starting in verse 16. 
Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, I have no husband. Now, if you didn't know this story, and I'm sure most all of you here have read John 4 and this story many, many times, but if this is the first time you've ever been exposed to this story, you're probably thinking, what just happened here? It seems like the conversation was going in this direction, and all of a sudden Jesus pulls a 180-degree turn and is going in the opposite direction. Why bring up the matter of her husband? What does that have to do with anything that they've been talking about? Folks, it has everything to do with what they've been talking about because Jesus hasn't made an abrupt turn of direction. Rather, he's chosen to go deep with her. Look at verse 17. The woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. And I think all of a sudden the light went on in the woman's mind where she suddenly realizes what the gift of living water can mean for her. See, her real thirst is seen in having burned through five men already as husbands and she's on her sixth. And even in our day, that would be considered extreme by most. Well, except maybe up in Hollywood. Uh, But in her day, it was an outrageous moral scandal. Which explains why she is at the well drawing water in the middle of the day. See, drawing water by women at that time was done at dawn before the sun came over the horizon. It's cool then. Or they did it at the end of the day once the sun has gone down and again you don't have the heat. But this woman comes to the well when she can be alone. Could it be it's because the other women in the town who know maybe part of her story shun her, talk smack to her, and she just doesn't want to put up with it anymore? Folks, the daily routine of this woman coming to draw water in the middle of the day is a revealing snapshot of her heart. She is desperately going to the same well over and over again, but never finds satisfaction in a relationship with a man. That's her well. And she continues to be thirsty. And Jesus wants her to face the futility of of how those choices have brought her to. And Jesus' conversation with this woman at the well uncovers a very profound truth, by which, by the way, is good news. It is the gospel. John's recorded this story for us so that we might grasp a very profound truth. And the truth is this, that our deepest thirsts can only be satisfied by what Jesus offers. Simple Powerful. Our deepest thirst can only be satisfied by what Jesus offers. See, the incredible power of this story is only discovered when we realize how much every single one of us in this room, including me, are like this woman at the well. That's where the power of the story comes in. Because all of us by nature are thirsty people. Deeply thirsty people. And we're thirsty on many levels. 
And those thirsts are a part of each and every day, and they drive the tone in our relationships and our priorities and our work and our study habits and our time and our use with money all the way on down the line. And yet how often do we let the obvious thirsts drive us to look at the deeper thirst, just like what Jesus did here with this dear lady? And how often do we allow Jesus Christ to come and sit at that well that we're drawing from constantly, hoping it'll satisfy our thirst this time, to come and sit at that well and speak truth to us, that there's an alternative that will deeply satisfy our thirsts. And that's where the impact of the story starts to hit us. Just like it hit her, it begins to hit us. So this morning, I'd like to suggest that we kind of nose around a little bit and and realize that there are at least two practical ways in which this story impacts right where we live. See, the danger is we know this story so well that we can relegate it as a story only for those who don't know Jesus Christ yet. But this story is also for those of us who are seeking to try to follow him faithfully day by day. And it intersects right where we live. So notice, there's several invitations of Jesus here for us. The first invitation is for every single one of us to stand at our well and ask, how deep do my thirsts go? That's what Jesus did with the woman. That's what Jesus Christ wants to do right here this morning with every single one of us. But it takes courage to probe like that with the invitation of Jesus. What are my driving thirsts? And by the way, that's not an easy question to ask or answer. I've been doing it for 62 years. Sometimes I think I get a handle on it, and sometimes I realize, man, there's some things about myself I don't even know yet. But you've got to stay at it. You've got to stay at it. See, the common thirst of our soul, of our heart, revolve around issues like loneliness, a desire for love, the need to be taken seriously, the need to be noticed by others. Some of the thirsts that you may have this morning are a desire that comes out of a a wanting to be healed because you've experienced rejection and abuse and neglect and abandonment and deep disappointment. There's There's oftentimes the drivenness and an immense need that comes for a recognition of approval to know that I, that I matter, that I'm a person of value to others. See, those are the deeper thirsts that the obvious physical ones should lead us to probe and, and down and find. And once we begin to admit, yeah, I've got some of those deep thirsts down there, then we can begin to look at the wells that we are going to to try to find satisfaction for that thirst. And by the way, folks, some of the wells that we're using are just shredding our souls. And sure, there's a temporary sense of satisfaction, but it quickly fades as we have to hit it again and again and again as we wake up in different beds with different people, as we wake up with a ripping hangover, the ecstasy of abusing drugs, the cheapening thrill of pornography. There's just a few but they shred something deep inside of us. Of course, then you've got the wells that are morally neutral and socially acceptable, but we're hitting them for the wrong reasons. 
We want them to give us something that they're never designed to give. So we ask questions, or it's important to ask questions like, so what drives my performance at work? The urge I have to constantly be shopping. The meticulous attention I give to my appearance. The attention we want from the opposite sex. Our excessive exercise program. The toys we collect. My grades in school. My desire to please others. Our passion to win in any competitive situation. Our overindulgence with certain comfort foods. I mean, the list can keep going. The wells are enormously uh, numbered. Now, some of them, some of these wells are not morally wrong. Everybody uses some of these wells, it's why are we using them? They can be a well that we're trying to draw from to find a deep sense of satisfaction for that thirst that Jesus Christ says, it's never going to happen there. So part of the standing at the well and asking how deep do my thirsts go is standing at the well and saying, how happy am I from the results of this well? Some of the answers I come up with, they may not be yours, is so why is it so hard to face that deep sense of shame when I hit that well? Why after drinking deeply do I crash so quickly and have a profound sense of emptiness? How are you going to feel when someone younger, smarter, or stronger eclipses your records and outperforms you? What happens when the effects of time take a toll on your look? How happy am I with the wells? Wow. How deep do my thirst go? Jesus Christ invites us to do that courageous work of standing there and asking that kind of a question as he did with that woman in John 4. But then he invites us to do something else because if we stay there, we'll get discouraged. We'll feel hopeless. But he invites us to do something more. And that is he invites us to stand at our well and ask, how quenching can Jesus' offer be? Huh. See, this may surprise you. Maybe it won't. It may surprise you to, this morning to realize that the work that Jesus Christ wants to do in our lives is not removing or eliminating our thirsts, but rather he wants to satisfy them at the deepest level possible. The gift of living water is meant to radically change the life of any man or woman, boy or girl that chooses to receive the gift from Jesus Christ and drink deeply of it. See, our deep thirsts are satisfied when we drink deeply over and over again of the life that Jesus offers us that is eternal both in quantity and quality. See, no longer then will we be driven to find short-term satisfaction in the popular wells of our culture that promise so much but deliver so little. In fact, I find it fascinating, too, that the the gift that Jesus offers and the invitations that are here in John chapter 4 were literally described prophetically 400 years earlier. Grab your Bibles, hold your finger in John 4, we'll be back. But turn, if you would, back into the Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 55. Here is where 400 years earlier, 
this very invitation of spiritual thirst being satisfied deep within us for the sake of life is laid out for us. Isaiah 55, you there with me? Now, as I read these verses, one through three, think in your mind what Jesus was doing and saying to the woman there in John 4. So Isaiah writes and says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? You kind of hear those images of you're hitting the wrong wells? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. See, Jesus invites us to come and find in this personal, intimate relationship with him complete satisfaction prophesied 400 years in advance. And that promise here in verse 3 of come to me that you may live is what's being fulfilled in John chapter 4 and verse 14 with the water image that Jesus says will come and spring up inside of us and bring us eternal life. So that no longer will I be drawing from outside wells looking for satisfaction or fulfillment. That's why I love what John records Jesus said in John 10.10 that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Whereas Jesus says, but I came, that they may have life and have it abundantly. And that word for abundant has to do with overflowing. Overflowing. And the remarkable offer from Jesus, also in Isaiah 55, is that it's completely a gift. So hydrate or die. I rather doubt that the marketing people at Camelback had any intention of having us look at our deep thirsts. But Jesus does. Can you imagine for a moment, can you imagine that we matter so much to God that he takes his initiative in his son, Jesus Christ, to come find us at our wells. Can you imagine for a moment this morning that it doesn't matter what well we're drawing from, Jesus is sitting there this morning, not to shame us, but waiting to meet us there and to say, I've got something vastly superior for you that will change your life. Can you imagine this morning not being driven by that thirst inside you? Oh, it's there, but it's going to be satisfied. Can you imagine enjoying life, life that's got a freshness, life that's got a freedom to it that you've never, ever experienced before? Can you imagine that it's all possible simply by receiving a gift? Anybody here want to? Anybody here ready for a change? Let's pray. Father, you know how often you find me going to wells 
that do not satisfy. You know my own personal struggle of wanting to find complete and utter satisfaction in you. And Father, we are so tempted these days to allow the temporal, to allow the immediate, to sometimes even bring just even a temporary sense of all is okay, when all that it does is bring shame, a sense of guilt, a sense of remorse. And your wonderful, wonderful invitation this morning is to come and drink deeply in Jesus Christ of the life that he offers. Father, thank you that it's not just quantity of life, of looking forward to spending eternity with you, but it's a quality of life that is so radically different than anything this world can offer. Father, I pray that you would continue to lead me to see and understand those wells I'm hitting, the deep thirsts that maybe I'm not really understanding, but how to bring those to you and to say, here, Lord, come and in a powerfully miraculous way lead me to find satisfaction in these deep, deep places inside me. And Father, there may be some here this morning that have never, ever for the first time even drunk deeply from Jesus Christ. But they already know what the world has to offer is not cutting it. They want something else. They want something different. They want something real. They need transformation. Father, I pray this would be a morning where they would take that step of saying, Lord Jesus, I want that gift of living water and eternal life. Please come today. Help me drink that from you. Father, we are thirsty people. And we bring that thirst to you. Thank you that you are all sufficient. Not ashamed to meet us at those wells, some of which are, are embarrassing. We don't even we keep them hidden from others. But you have no problem meeting us there and saying, I can be enough for you. Oh, Father, may we accept that invitation in response to you this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. Here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.